Our message today is on freedom. Aaron, I'm trying to get it where you'd say it has to be. Okay. Patrick Henry said, give me liberty. Okay, then it worked. Give me liberty or give me death. Everybody knows that quote. Have you ever thought about what that really means? Give me liberty, and if I can't have liberty, give me death trying to earn our liberty. What that means is that freedom is more important than life living without our freedom. How many are willing to die for our freedom? the freedom that we have gained. I assure you, our freedom came very expensively in the blood of our soldiers, our Navy, our Air Force, Coast Guard. I, I think, I know this is not Armed Forces Day, but I think it is a time that we really need to look with gratitude at those who have given their lives for freedom. Many have sacrificed their lives for our freedom. The winner, George Washington, his men at Valley Forge during the Revolutionary War. Later, the Battle of 1812, trying to guarantee our freedom for conscription by the British Navy on the beaches uh, in the great in the trenches in the Great War in the beaches of Normandy in Korea and then Vietnam Desert Storm Iraq and Iran I, I met a soldier big tall black American he was obviously military you could tell from the haircut, more than that, I could tell by the way he stood. He stood tall. He stood impressive. And I, he said, I've been in Japan for 18 months. And I, I said, I bet you've seen a lot of desert and eaten a lot of sand. He said, I really didn't see anything in Japan. All I saw was desert. I said to him, man, we appreciate you. I especially appreciate you. I wanted to re-up when all this started. And they told me I was too old. So you went in my place. And I appreciate your sacrifice. And as, and as is typical with the military a soldier, sailor when you say I appreciate your service he said appreciate those who made the ultimate sacrifice we've had a lot of men and women who have died for our freedom they proved that they believed that freedom is more important than life without freedom they bought our freedom with their own blood 
We need to honor them. We need to remember, remember them. Um, I didn't really know that Walter was going to use that Mel Gibson scene, and I was a little hesitant to let him do it because it's in my sermon. So he's stolen the beginning of my sermon. But watching Mel Gibson in Braveheart parade in front of the, the crowd and say, are you willing to die for our freedom? And that last shout of freedom sticks in my memory. But I also know that on the day he died by being drawn and quartered, you can look that up if you dare, it's, it's a horrible way to die. With his last waning breath and drawing on all the strength he had, he shouted, freedom, freedom. This day we celebrate our freedom. Jesus said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we're the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. That's the idea that every Jew of all ages will be saved because they are the chosen people. The passage that's quoted for that in the New Testament, for one thing, the Jews do not even believe. They don't believe the New Testament. But the point is, he is saying, you must believe in Jesus Christ. Throughout the New Testament, if you have not believed, you are condemned. Spoken specifically to those Jews of that day. We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That is our passage for the message this morning. And I want to talk about the freedom that Christ has given us. First of all, that freedom is a freedom from oppression. The, in Romans chapter 13, he's telling us, do what's right. It says, I let every person be, I'm sorry, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For the rulers are not a terror to the good. Let me say that again. The rulers are not a terror to the good. Con to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. Romans 13, 1 through 3 has been quoted 
overquoted and quoted wrongly for the past year and a half because the rulers are not a terror to the good, to the good conduct, but to bad. They are created to stand for what is right. When the government steps over the boundary and begins to punish the innocent and starts to tell us what we can do and what we can do. If we comply to that, we are giving up our freedom. And it is time to stand for our freedom, the freedom that God gave. We do not have to obey a bad government who punishes innocent people. Would you, in that day, have stood with Hitler? Would you say to the people of Germany, you have to obey your ruler because God said so? Absolutely not. Even in the military, you may pay the, the penalty of doing this, but even in the military, when your officer gives you a command that is illegal, immoral, unethical, you have a right to question his authority. Yes, he may have power over you and you can, and he can punish you. But the point is, freedom to do right is better than living a long life and doing evil. We need to get that and understand. We have protection from oppression. That says in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, that we need to obey God rather than men. Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. I haven't heard that very much in the past 18 months. Obey God, including when it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We need to obey God. When it comes to a conflict and they are trying to take away our rights and oppress us, we better obey God. It's better to obey God than men. You may pay a price, but life, freedom is more important than life. And many have given up their lives to purchase our freedom. We, in freedom from oppression, I've already talked about this, only let your many of, of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I will, I with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Live a worthy life. Do right. Live a worthy life. Please God. See, I believe in patriotism, especially after spending a dozen years in Africa, a couple of years, three months at a time in Australia, a year, six months at a time in Russia. I'm glad for Russians to have patriotism. 
while I was there, I was there because there had been a bombing in the metro. Something had never happened before. I finished the World Mission Seminar that year on Friday. In the morning, on that Friday morning, before we came for the last half day of the seminar, I woke up to a message from... I, I called Tammy. She said, I need you here immediately. Before I ever left home, I called Jack Story and he was looking for tickets. Tickets started at over $2,000. Tammy had said, whatever it costs to get you here, the school will pay. I need you to come and do a crisis debriefing for our teachers and for our students and for their parents. As the day went on, the price and I got the cheapest ticket that I've ever gotten and I finished that I finished at noon communicated with Jack's story and I left at seven o'clock on Saturday morning incredible of course in those days I kept a Russian visa in my passport because of my service there I actually arrived on Sunday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Monday I started the crisis counseling. They videotaped it and they still use it at the school. But it's a price you pay. One of the things I heard during, while I was there, they kept telling me stories of how, because the metro was shut down, that Russian drivers would stop and pick up people who were walking trying to get home with the metro shut down and took them home free of charge. Neighbors, people in the city and in the neighborhoods came out with cold water on the sidewalk. Of course, it didn't stay cold long, but they gave food and water to the people who were dragging their luggage and trying to get home. And my friend said, and he wasn't speaking to me, he was speaking to the whole gr group of teachers. He's Russian. He said, I, I have heard all my life about the patriotism and the suffering and people helping one another out during the war with Germany. And he said, I wondered if we still had the same blood in us. And with tears, he said, the blood still flows in our, in our veins. That's a Russian. What about you? Through the Great War, through World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, and now in Iraq, and Iran, Afghanistan, soldiers are still fighting. The blood still flows in their veins. Does it flow in yours? Do you pray for our nation? Do you pray for our leaders? Even if you have to pray, turn them around. Let them come to you, O oh God.
we need to pray for them, but we do not put loyalty to our nation. We never put loyalty to our nation over our loyalty to our King, our God, to Jesus Christ in heaven. He deserves our obedience. He deserves our loyalty. We are now citizens of a different kingdom, and we need to be patriotic to the citizenship of heaven to which Christ has given us because of our faith and trust in him. This past year, a dangerous precedent has been set against one of our God-given freedoms to assemble and not have the church. Listen, when you hear about separation of church and state, that does not mean that the church can have no impact on the government. What it means is the government may never take away our freedom to assemble. I warn you that they have taken that step. They're starting talking about numbers again. We allowed them to do it the first time. And I, for one, will not let it happen to me or to my church again. You say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do if they tell us we can't meet? I'll be right here. And you're welcome to join me if you choose. It is your choice. But as for me, if I have to go to jail, I will do so. Shelly has said that she'll come bail me out, and I told her this morning, no, you won't. The governor will have to come get me out of jail. Because... than our comfort freedom is more important than our lives and Jesus promised us freedom from oppression you say what if you die then I'll be free indeed amen that promotion is indeed a promotion and I'll be better off for having stood even if it cost me my life you made mine. Freedom. Means freedom from legalism. He says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to his cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to festival or a new moon are a Sabbath. Now it is evident that no one is justified before, the, before God by the law. 
For the righteous shall live by faith. That is faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Listen, be careful when your church focuses more on religion and the obedience of rules of touch not, taste not, which are a shadow of what's real. And it focuses more on your own religion and rules rather than a relationship with God. No one, no one ever will be saved unless they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Make any claim you wish. Figure out any other way. But I will tell you, I can take the Bible and show you again, again, and again. You must call on Jesus Christ. You must believe in Him in order to have a relationship with Him. And that relationship is what will get you to heaven. And nothing else will. You need to understand that. Freedom also means freedom from traditionalism. Freedom from traditionalism. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him. Thank you, Walter, for correcting my typo. The scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? He said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Spoken to Jews. In vain do they worship me. It's worthless. Teaching as doctrines the commandment. You have you left. You leave the commandments of God and hold to the tradition of men. He said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your tradition. They had established the traditions of several hundred, 400, 500 years. I know, you know that there is a gap of 400 years between the last verse in Malachi and the first verse in either Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or John. And they had established all these rituals. You have to wash your hands, and you have to wash them this way. You have to wash the pots and clean them this way. You had the problem with traditionalism and with traditions is that it's too easy to use your traditions as a replacement for the commands of God. And what you've done immediately You've stepped into legalism, traditionalism, and you've stopped obeying God. You've replaced the commands of God with your traditions. I need to warn you about that. The seven last words of a church 
are, we've never done this this way before. We've never ever done it this way before. We've always done it differently. Yeah? Who do you obey? Traditions or God? The church that is not willing to change is in trouble, is dying, and will die unless they turn away from those traditions and begin to obey the commandments of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be careful. Be careful. The church that will not change, the church that lives in the past and cannot adapt to the present and cares not at all for the future, will only empty itself into the graveyard. Think about that. If you're not willing to adapt from the culture you grew up in into today's culture, and you don't care at all about these beautiful young people, do not consider their case, their, their welfare, and whether or not we can win more of them. Living in the past and not caring for the future, you can't adapt to the present, you will slowly, as each individual in the church dies, because the church is not willing to adapt, the church will fill up, empty the church and fill up the graveyard. I don't know if you've ever thought about it that way, but that is the truth. Beware of traditionalism. And then finally, that freedom means freedom from racism. Freedom from racism. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went in to uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began to explain it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa, praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheep descending down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me, looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. By the way, those things were illegal under the law of Moses. They could not eat them. He said, I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, this is sort of funny to me. Who do you think speaking to him? That it's okay to answer the question. Who do you think was speaking to him? God was speaking to him. What did he say to God? Nope, not me. I've never eaten anything unclean, and you can't convince me to do it now. I, it's, it's like I, I told somebody the other day, uh, what do you remember? Do you you remember ever speaking out against or talking back to your parents? And I said, once and once only. My dad was telling me what he wanted me to do, and I said, I don't want to do that. He looked at me very sternly. My dad was a guy of very few words, but what he said, he meant. And he said, I can cure that. 
What he's saying, Corey, is I can make you want to do what I say because I'll make the alternative very un... And when he said, I can change your want to, I can change that, I thought about that. I was thunderstruck, and I didn't have anything else to say because I was convinced he could indeed change my want to. And I went and did what he told me to do. Now here's Peter arguing with God. I don't want to do that. And I just wonder if God said, I can cure that. Showed him the vision again. The voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, hard-headed Peter. And all was drawn up again into heaven. Behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea, and the Spirit, the Spirit of God, told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me. They were, and we entered into the man's house. This was the house of a Gentile. You see, in that day, there were only two classes of people. Jews and everybody else that wasn't a Jew. And the Jews were the most bigoted, racist people that has ever lived. They're worse than anything we've ever experienced. It took three times preaching the same sermon to get them to do what God said. If you think I repeat different themes and, and subjects, it's because you hadn't done it yet. I have to keep bringing it up. Maybe a part of a different sermon, but I keep repeating myself, hoping that you'll do it. Peter did it. He saw the household of Cornelius, and he saw the entire household, including servants, come to Jesus. Gentiles! There is no distinction with God. Listen to me. Racism whether it's nationality, language, or race, there's no boundaries to God. There is no place and there is no one to whom he will not have his gospel shared and preached. So anytime that we are against any nationality, I've heard way too much said about Latinos that Latinos come here across the border mean you probably wouldn't go where they live. And so God has brought them to our community that we might share with them our faith. Don't set up a boundary. Whether it is nationality or language or race. Listen, racism is a sin against your fellow human being and against God. No matter what race you are, we've been told under critical race theory, which is if you're a minority, 
you can't be racist, which basically means you're allowed to hate people if you're a minority, and it's not racism. That's garbage. I don't care what color you are, what background you are, what nationality you, you are, you must not hate your brother. And if you've been racist, you need to get on your knees, confess, and repent to God. I don't care who you are. You need to confess and repent because our commandment is that we must love everyone and no one. In conclusion, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. And I would add to that all the sons and daughters who have been adopted into God's family by faith in Jesus Christ will remain in that family forever. If you've never admitted that you are lost without Christ. See, the Jews on that day said, we're sons of Abraham. We'll, all of us will be saved. Nope. Except you repent and believe on Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not make it to heaven. There, it, it is true that in the last days, just before Jesus comes, the Jews as a nation will turn to Christ and be saved. That promise does not apply to all generations. Just those Jews at the end of time, in the last day, when they call on Christ, all of those Jews, that generation of Jews, will be saved. You're in the same situation. If you never admit you can't get saved if you've never been lost and you can't get saved unless you admit that you can't save yourself realize that only Jesus can call on him now believing that he is the son of God that he died for your sins and rose again calling in faith and trust, and He will set you free. If you've never done that, today is the day that we celebrate freedom. Freedom in Jesus Christ. You need to be saved. This is the time. This is the hour. This is the day that you need to come to Christ. If you're a away from God, away from Christ and fellowship with Him. It's time for you to restore that relationship by coming back to Him, by rededicating your life, by committing yourself totally to Jesus Christ and celebrating the freedom that He gives.